Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Shy Sports Combo. We are your hosts, Edgar Romero, alongside Martin Barraza. And today's episode will be going over the NBA playoffs and our Chicago Bulls, as well as the Cubs and Sox matchups of last week. And we'll talk about our Bears, who had drafted a lot of players, and we'll go over the each player. And we'll talk about if it was a good draft for the Bears or not. But, Martin, I know it's Wednesday. We're like two days late. Usually we record this on Monday. But how are you doing today, sir? Hello, everyone. Well, we're recording on Wednesday. Yeah, it's usually different from us. We're recording in the full in the full stretch of the Crosstown Classic. And yeah, we're recording on a different day. But we are recording out of necessity, and I am happy that we're all he- happy and healthy, and we're ready mm-hmm. to break down some sports, Chicago sports action. Yes, sir. So today, I think we should start with the NBA playoffs. As you recall, last week we ended with Monday's game as the Celtics swept the Nets. I pretty much eliminated the Nets, and the Celtics moved on to face either the Bucks or the Bulls. <clears throat> so the following that game it was the Raptors at 76ers the Raptors win that, won that game 103 to 88 and pretty much uh, won the game too so the 76ers had a 3-2 lead as well as the Jazz at the Mavs the Mavs beat the Jazz 102-77 took a 3-2 lead as well on Tuesday the Miami Heat Finally eliminated the uh, the Hawks. Atlanta Hawks. Yep, as they beat them 97-94. And pretty much took a 4-1 win over there. And they move on to face either the Bucks or either the Celtics or the 76ers. I think it's going to be the Oh, no. 76ers or Raptors. And the Wolves at the Grizzlies. Grizzlies took the lead as they beat them three years take a 3-2 lead and the Pelicans lose against the Suns I mean beat the Suns I believe oh no lose against the Suns 1-297 and the Suns take a 3-2 lead the Tuesday games and we moved on to Wednesday the big one which was the disappointing one because the Bucks beat our Chicago Bulls 116-100 to and move on to face the Celtics in the next round. Uh, no Zach Levine for this game as he... Yeah, he was out on the COVID uh, protocol and there was no Alex Caruso because he got elbowed in the face. So he was on concussion yeah. protocol as well. Yep, so we figured, I already knew coming to the game that okay, they had no chance, but the Rosen didn't do anything. He only scored 11 points. Patrick Williams had a good game, 23 points. Vucevic, same thing, another double-double for him. 19 points. Kobe White, 17 points. They tried their best, but at the end, they fell to last year's champions, the Bucks. And what do you see this team doing this offseason to get better? Well, the free agent market is not is not flush with stars as it is previous. In previous seasons, right now on ESPN, on Fox Sports, and all the other websites, the listed the number one free agent is Zach Levine, and there are rumblings that Zach Levine might. It's not a done deal, even though the Bulls can offer him the supermax, the most money. It's not a done deal that they he was going to return to the Bulls. So if he doesn't return to the Bulls, that's that's a big blow, but. If he does return to the Bulls, and I expect the Bulls to make that full-fledged offer, the Bulls have some work to do on the roster um, against the Suns, and it showed they're very small. They need some shooting, and they need some size and toughness. They brought in Tristan Thompson, but unfortunately, that experiment didn't work. I think the development of Patrick Williams, I think Patrick Williams needs to drive more of the basket, and I think he needs to develop his three-point shot. They were at points where... The, the Bucks were asking him to shoot threes or giving him the open three, and he was almost shooting air balls. So getting better from the three-point line and progressing 
for him is is big. Also, Lonzo Ball getting healthy, but just getting just some length and shooting, I think, is what the Bulls need. And also, Nikola Vucevic is also a free agent the following season, so they have to start talks with him to potentially get him back. So they have some things to do internally before they they look externally for solutions to get this basketball team going to where they want to be. Well, we'll see what our Chicago Bulls do in the offseason once the NBA Finals are over. But moving on to the other games, the Nuggets at the Warriors. The Warriors beat the, eliminate the Nuggets 102-98 and move on to the next round. The 76ers, this one's a big one, beat the Raptors 132-97 and the 76ers move on. But Joel and B got injured and it's out for the next series. Yep. What the hell is wrong with what the hell is wrong with the 76ers allowing MB your top star when you're up by close to freaking 30 points still playing and this is what happens. <laughs> well it's Doc, Doc Rivers. Play. It's Doc Rivers. So I was just thinking of that question you just asked and honestly you know what it reminded me of remember in 2010 when when the for the bulls against the 76ers with d rose when yes. when they were up against the philadelphia 76ers i i forgot the amount but it was more than 10 points and tom thibodeau still had d rose on the on the floor with most of their starters and his knee his knee gave out and you know that's that was the beginning of the of the end for the bulls for the bulls basketball that we loved in that era and unfortunately it it, be, it marked the beginning of of a the an, a turn where d rose didn't want in his career but it, it kind of looked the same i don't think it was it's that severe but yeah what is he doing out there and got elbowed in the face, broke his orbital bone, I think, on his right side, and yep. he's out for a couple. He's out for a couple games, and now it's all on James Harden. Can James Harden? This is what they brought him in for. This is why they got rid of Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons couldn't shoot. They need a guy who can play offense, and we'll see if James Harden can do that. I don't think he can. James Harden doesn't have. He doesn't have that burst anymore. He looks pudgy. He doesn't take care of his body like other superstars do, like a LeBron James, like a Chris Paul, like like those type of superstars. And he's not the same offensive force that he was, but hey, that's what they brought him in for. And shame on Doc Rivers. I mean, Tom Thibodeau comes from Doc Rivers' tree, so you can see where Tom Thibodeau got it from. And you, But yeah. Doc Rivers, shame on you. And if you don't win, it's all on you because he should not have been on the floor, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yep, sad to see because he was playing really good, good games, man. And he looked like he was going to be the MVP of the season. And pretty much it continued. He probably would have pulled off and had better games, but I better hope that the 76ers survive against, against the Heat. But Thursday's game from last week the Suns at the Pelicans the Suns eliminate the Pelicans 115-109 and win the series 42 the Mavs as well had a close game with the Jazz but they they eliminate the Jazz 98-96 and take the series 42 that Friday's game Grizzlies at the Timberwolves and the Wolves were leading this game until Jay Morant man he (laughs) He brought, he brought Memphis back to beat, beat them 114-106 and Memphis moves on to face the Golden State Warriors and take the 4-2 series win. You saw that game, Friday game? Oh no, you were part of the Angels game, right? Yeah, I well, for the audience, on Friday I went to see the, the Chicago White Sox against the Los Angeles Angels because you know I wanted to see Shohei and I wanted to see Mike Trout but yeah I didn't, I didn't catch that game saw the highlights great great job by John Morant and again I see him and I'm like damn 
That's Derek Rose if you didn't get hurt. Yeah. yeah he's like uh, John Morant, bro. He, he was explosive, especially when he went through three guys and had that bucket in. I'm like, what the hell? Like, but yeah, the Grizzlies move on. So, they had the day off on Saturday, move on to Sunday, and the first game between the Bucks and the Celtics. The Bucks beat the Celtics 101 to 89 and take a 1 0 lead. And Giannis had a triple double 13 rebounds, 12 assists, and 24 points. Damn, man. Nobody could stop this guy. Gotta find somebody that could stop him. And I'm surprised because I thought Boston was going to be a tougher matchup for Milwaukee because they have they're a different they're a different team than the Bulls. The, you yeah. you got two better stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and then the difference is the Bucks played bully ball against the Bulls. They can't play bully ball against the Celtics. Celtics have a lot of wings and a lot of defenders that they can throw at. They can throw at uh, Giannis. You got Robert Williams, you got Al Horford, you got Daniel Tice. That's three guys that you can throw at at Giannis. Also, Grayson Allen, he can't be just, he, you can't stand there and be shooting threes. You got you got Marcus Smart, you got good perimeter defenders, which is something. But Giannis for game one proved them wrong, and he took it to them, and they won pretty handedly. And I was surprised at the score without Chris Middleton. Yeah, without Chris Middleton, exactly. So, that was a, they took the lead 1-0, and then moving on to the second game on the west on the west side, the Warriors at the Grizzlies, and the Warriors, Bernie won this game 117-116 and take the 1-0 lead. I'm like, this is going to be a good, good good series between the Warriors and Grizzlies, man. I'm going to be shocked. But then moving on to Monday's game, 76ers at the Heat without Mr. Joel Embiid. And the Heat just pretty much dominated the game 106 to 92. They take the 1 0 lead. James Harden just has 16 points, so it doesn't look like he's going to be that helpful for this team. Moving on to Monday's second game, the Mass at the Suns, and um, the Suns beat the Mass 121 to 114. So they take the 1 0 lead. Now, Tuesday game, Bucks at Celtics again. This mm-hmm. game was different now. The Celtics beat the Bucks 109-86. And they, they tied the series up. So this was a better game for Boston. And pretty much demolished the, the Bucks. And the difference on the second game between the Warriors and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies. John Moran turns it right back to Mr. Steph Curry. And outbeats them 106-101. And they tie up the series. Yep, Draymond Green got ejected at the end of the game and flicked the fans oh. off. <laughs> he pulled a Tim Anderson and uh, pulled a Tim Anderson, pulled a Kyrie Irving as well. So I was like, wow. Yeah, and you know what he said at the press conference? He said he don't care. He don't care if he gets a. Uh, he don't care if he gets fined. He said he makes twenty three million dollars a year. He could take the fine. Ah, mm-hmm. I love it. The brazenness. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. And today's games is the 76ers at the Heat for game two and the Mads at the Suns. And currently, the 76ers are down by 10, 76 to 86. So, mm-hmm. if the Heat could pull this off, the Heat would be going up 2 0. And today's guys' games will be dead because tomorrow they'll be, they'll be off and Friday will be start up again with the Heat at the 76ers and the Suns at the Mads. That's it for NBA playoffs. What you think so far? So, who do you have between the Suns and the Heat? I think the Heat are gonna win because they think the Heat are more balanced. The 76ers, I think, there's a lot of pressure on James Harden. James Harden has not won a championship, and he's been put together with a lot of stars. So with Houston, he got with Chris Paul, he got with Russell Westbrook, then he got with uh, Kevin Durant, and so far he hasn't been able to he hasn't been able to, you know, put put them over the hump and be that superstar that he was early in his career in Houston. And if Joel Embiid doesn't come back, 
I got the Heat winning, and I honestly think it's going to be Heat and Boston versus the in the in the Eastern Conference Championship and the Western Conference Championship. It's going to be Phoenix versus Golden State. Golden State, okay. But yep. that Memphis series against Golden State's going seven. Yep, they have to. Push. I think it is. Memphis has a good, a good squad, and they're surprising a lot of people, man. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see that that small ball lineup that Golden State has going up against Phoenix. Phoenix was that big seven footer in DeAndre yeah. Ayton. If if they go there, and then also. Phoenix has a lot of perimeter defenders, and they're long, and they can hang with, with the shooters that Golden State has. So if if they get to that point, it's going to be interesting to see. But those are my predictions. I agree with you because I do want to see uh, Golden State against the Suns and uh, the Celtics against the Bucks. I mean, the Celtics against um, the Heat because both of them, especially both of them, have good defense as well. I want to see that type of game. But we'll see if that happens. And moving on to our Chicago sports baseball teams. We'll start off with the Sox. As last week, they were off on Monday, but they started the series on Tuesday against the Royals. And the Royals beat them 6 to nothing. The winning pitcher was Lynch. And the losing pitcher was obviously Keiko and Lopez. As Lynch went six innings, two hits, no, he gave up no runs, had seven strikeouts. Keiko went four innings, two hits. I mean, no, Lopez went four innings, two hits, and runs, but Keiko gave up three yards around. Pretty much got shot out by uh, another real building team. I don't know. I don't know how to think about that as a flat train. You got a rebuilding team in the Royals and you get shot up by one of their rookie pitchers. But moving on to game two. This time the Sox beat the Royals 7 to 3. Thinks had a good game. As well uh, as he was a winning pitcher and the losing pitcher was Grinky. Things went six innings. Three only gave up three hits and two earned runs with nine strikeouts. Same thing with Gurky. He went six innings, five hits, three earned runs. Uh, but Andrew Vaughn was the main main hitter for this game as he went two for four with four runs batted in and Berger three for four with an RBI. For game three, the Royals beat the Sox five to two. Winning pitcher was Keller. There's a familiar face for the Sox as. I believe he was the one that threw at Abreu instead of a brawl or something like that. Or Anderson. Yeah. My bad. Anderson. Yeah. That's Anderson. And the losing pitcher was Kopech. Keller went seven innings, innings, three hits, one and run, three Ks. As Kopech went five innings, three hits, two and runs, four walks with three Ks. And Garcia and Pollock each only had the loans RBIs for that game. So what do you? What were your thoughts on that series? Remember when I told you that they were going to lose against the Royals too as well? Yeah, I'm surprised that they lost against the Royals again. The right now the Sox are something missing. The offense isn't. The offense right now isn't just isn't clicking, and I think they're getting solid pitching. Well, from the regulars, from Kopech, from Dylan Cease, from Giolito, kind of. But then when you get to Dallas Keuchel, he's been terrible. And Vince Velasquez has been bad. And the offense isn't isn't coming along. Abreu's not having a good year so far. Yasmani Grandal has been a mixed bag. I'm not a big fan of Yasmani Grandal. Um, no, he's not the same hater that he was a couple of years ago. I'm noticing that right now. Yeah, Grandal is not the same, is not the same hitter. And he's not, obviously, he's not the same defender. I mean, that's why they have to keep having Reese McGuire catch every other day. So, yeah, this team, this team is not hitting, and they're blaming it on the weather. That's the reason why. But, I mean, 
I think this is where they need to have their opportunity. They played a lot of games between the Central, and this is where they need to win some series, you know, if they're going to win the division. But right now, they're not doing that good, and the Twins are are doing pretty good to start off the season. And the Twins are also playing in the winter, which is more colder in Minnesota than it is right here in Chicago. Yeah, they don't have that dome stadium anymore. They're they're playing outside. And they're still managing to win games. So I don't know. But moving on to Friday's game where you went, the Angels beat the Sox 5-1. When he pitched, it was a it was a bullpen game for the Angels. The losing pitcher was Giolito as he went six innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs, a walk, and seven strikeouts. And Grandal was the lone RBI for that game. So since you went to that game, tell us what you saw. Well, you know, we got our beers, sat in the chair. As soon as my ass was hit, was was sitting on the seats. Tyler Wade stepped up to the plate. First pitch by Giolito. Wham! Home run over the center field wall. And all the White Sox fans were just like the wind got sucked out. Sucked out a guaranteed rate. Then they get the, the second batter was out. Then here comes uh, Shohei. Swing and a drive. Deep center field. Home run. So right away, 2 nothing. The White Sox just couldn't do anything. They couldn't hit at all. They tried to make it. They had the bases loaded, I think, at the bottom of the ninth for Luis Robert. And Raisul Iglesias came in and shut the door down. But, yeah, they could not do anything. Even the former Cub, Matt Duff, even even tried to gift wrap them a run with an error, I think, in the second or third inning. And even then, the White Sox couldn't push. They just couldn't, they couldn't score that day. Los Angeles the uh, offense was just much better. Yep, so we move on to game two. This time the Sox win this game four to nothing. They shot out the Angels. So the pitcher was Velasquez. I know. The pitcher was Suarez was Suarez on the air and Velasquez went five point two. Had four hits and he did not give up any runs, which was shocking. But Suarez gave went only four innings, eight hits, four earned runs. With two walks and four strikeouts, and Anderson went to four with an RBI, and Reese Robert went one for four with a three-run home run. So that was the lone runs that they needed, and they pretty much shut up the Angels for Saturday's game for Game Two. Now Game Three, this was interesting because man, the Angels barely beat the Sox six to five. Mm-hmm. Winning pitcher was Michael Lorenzen, a former Cincinnati Red. The losing pitcher was Keiko. Lorenzen won 8.1 innings, gave up nine hits and three earned runs with two strikeouts. Keiko only went five innings, gave up six hits, four earned runs, five walks, and a strike. All the runs scored for the Sox was in the ninth inning. They were being shut out when the Angels went to the top, when the bottom of the ninth, six to nothing, and the and the Sox scored five runs on typical small errors, small balls, little bunts here and there. But finally, the Angels shut it out, and it was pretty much saved barely because the Sox could have. Steal this game, then they probably would have had that momentum back to them and they would have started something else fresh. But moving on to game four. Obviously, every time that you see Dylan C's pitch, you look like they always win. And that's what happened as the Sox beat the Angels three to nothing. Dominating performance. Yep. C's went seven innings, we only gave up one hit and had 11 strikeouts. Losing pitcher was Sandoval. He went six innings pitched and had only three earned runs. Hendricks had the save, finally. But Pollock, Angle, and Berger were the only lone runs for that game and pretty much ceased dominating that game and they split the series two to two. So, what do you saw during that week for the Sox? They had a nasty 
waiting um, previous week to coming in and still losing two series. At least, like you said, they're not beating their central. They need to beat the central in order for them to win the division. Well, they should be Kansas City and Los Angeles. I think they're doing better. Um, they got dom- they got dominating pitching by by Dylan Cease. And I think Kopech was pretty good. Oh, Vince Velasquez was was the yeah. big revelation in that series. But Dallas Keuchel always hurts him when he pitches, so he yeah. he's a problem. And they're hopefully hopefully they do hopefully they do better if once the weather starts because this team very inconsistent again they went they went 500 with the angels the angels are a better team this year even though the angels in that series to me they seemed a little light on pitching some of the pitchers were like eh, i don't even know if you guys would be starters exactly they didn't even have Detmers who or Syndergaard pitch. Syndergaard was supposed to pitch in that game on Friday, and he got scratched. That's what I'm saying. It was a bullpen game. That's yeah, he, he was supposed to go. It was supposed to be Giolito versus Syndergaard, so I was all excited to go. It's one of the reasons why I went, aside from Otani and Trout. But he was... But they should have won three games, especially since you have no Syndergaard and you have no Detmers. Edmers is one of their young top prospects that the Angels have have on, and he's been doing really well. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, the right now they're playing five, a little bit less than 500 baseball, and they got to put the pedal to the metal because the Twins are playing very good baseball, and this week they they have an easier schedule, quote unquote. Yep. So we'll see. So we'll see. Now moving on to our Chicago Cubs. And as we figured, they were going to lose the series, but first game, as well as the Sox Tuesday, they were on the road. They faced off, they had a series against the Braves, and they lose that game 3-1. to Obviously, winning pitcher was Freed. The losing pitcher was Strowman. But Freed went six innings, gave up four hits, one and run, and four strikeouts. For Strowman, he went six innings, gave up six hits, two in runs with three strikeouts. I believe Strowman is pitching a little bit much better now, getting more comfortable. Uh, it just sucks when the, the team ain't there, but the save was former Dodger closer Jensen. And the long run for the Cubs was Hat. He went one for three with a home run. Game two, the Cubs win this game, and pretty much extras in the tenth, they beat. The break six to three. Winning pitcher was Robertson, losing was Magic, and the save got from Wick. Magic got went two for five with an RBI. At one for two with two walks and an RBI. Suzuki, two for five with an RBI. Contreras one for four with a home run. And Wisdom, the big the big two run home run in the top of the tenth to take the lead and make it six to three. And that's how they win that game. And then for game three, the Cubs lose this game 5-1. to Winning pitcher was right. And losing pitcher was Smiley. Right wins seven innings, three hits. Gave up only one earned run and four walks with eight, eight strikeouts. While Smiley had a, only went 4.2 innings. Allowed five hits, two earned runs with a walk and four strikeouts. Long comes run was scored due to a pickoff error. So... They didn't hit that all that game. So they lose two out of the three. What are you seeing in those three games that you saw against the Braves? Uh, just Braves superior pitching and pretty much that game we got smacked in the face that this is a rebuilding team because and yep. we got kind of plagued the same that we kind of got plagued. The Cubs couldn't hit. Cubs strike out. They couldn't generate any runs. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's the way it's going to be. Um, the lone win, I think, yeah, the lone win was a, Strowman had the lone win of the week, right? Yeah. So yeah, when we get quality pitching, we can at least stand a chance. But if there's a quality pitching for the Cubs, most likely they won't stand a chance because this offense is not a juggernaut. They're not going to be able to come back. Nope. And 
it is the way it is. These guys are young hitters, and they're going to strike out a lot. And yeah, then then they got they got superior. They got basically superior pitching. Um, very happy with Robertson, even though he's older. He's doing a very good job as a closer. Wick came in and shut it down. And I mean, it's it's going to be one of those series. Braves are a very good team that are expected to be one of the final teams in October. And you know what? I mean, at least you won one. You get swept. Especially in the East, because the Mets are really hot. The Phillies are are hot as well. The Marlins are hot, and the Braves are top. So it's going to be a nice run between those four teams in the East. But moving on to the series against the Milwaukee Brewers. And the first two games against the Brewers were uh, Friday's game, the Brewers beat the Cubs 11-1. Winning pitcher was Hauser, losing pitcher was Hendricks. Hauser won six innings, two hits. Did not give up any runs and had six strikeouts while Mr. Hendricks off game. Went 4.1 innings, gave up seven hits, six run runs, two walks with two strikeouts. Long run on a wild pitch. Ranfro pretty much killed the, the Cubs in this game. Um, game two, same thing. The Brewers beat the Cubs 9-1. to Winning pitcher was Lauer. Losing pitcher was Justin Steele. Lauer went seven innings pitch. Five hits, one in run, 11 strikeouts. Um, Mr. Steele only went three innings. Gave seven hits, two in runs, four strikeouts. And Yang Gomes had the lone home run in this game and pretty much... Only two, we only managed to score two runs in both in the first two games. But in game three, the Cubs picked the Brewers two to nothing. Winning pitcher was Marcus Stroman, losing pitcher was Colin Burns, another top starter. So now the Cubs are 2 0 against Burns this season. And the save got Robinson. Stroman went seven innings, gave up two hits, and had five strikeouts, while Burns went seven innings, gave up four hits, two in runs, with 10 strikeouts. Suzuki went one for four with an RBI and Wisdom one for four with that big home run. I know we lost the first two games, but we'll talk about game three. What you like about Stroman that he's finally going to that little form? Yeah, I think he got off to a bad start. And like I said, once we once there's good pitching for the Chicago Cubs, they have a chance to at least get a victory or stay competitive in the ball game. I'm kind of worried about Hendricks because Hendricks, for the last two, three seasons, he's been the model of consistency. And if there has been a bad start, he's always been able to replicate it and follow up with a good performance his next start. Unfortunately, what I'm starting to see is Hendricks is getting knocked around a lot this season. He's only, I think he's only had about one or two good starts. He had a dominating start against Pittsburgh. And I was there. It was a 21-0 game against the Pirates. But other than that, he has not looked good. And I'm going. I'm growing very concerned. Wisdom with the long home runs. It seems like for Wisdom, it's feast or famine. Either he strikes out or hits long bombs. Seiya Suzuki has... The league is starting to adjust and he's making his adjustments as well. So I am very happy to see that. And, and yeah, I mean, unfortunately, opening week... The opening series was very good. The Cubs took two of three, but then the Brewers kind of showed us like, hey, we're the team that's going to win the division this year, or we're in contention to win the division. Yeah. You guys are not. And they flexed their dominance in that in that series. But they're still three and three in the season. They still got more playing the games to face each other. But as long as you said the Cubs stay competitive against the Brewers and the Central, it doesn't matter. They, I'd rather have the Cubs be the little needle that sticks a lot, a lot of teams that are supposed to be the contenders and be the cause of them not making it. But that was the week for the Cubs. As also as well as Mr. Seiya Suzuki became the end of rookie of the month for the April. As he batted 273 with 13 runs, 20 hits. Four home runs, 15 RBIs, 14 walks, at a 380 on-base percentage, and a 500 and a 500 slug. What do you thought so far for the month on Mr. Suzuki? Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he was able to hit so well. 
but then I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm, I'm hoping yeah. he continues to replicate that performance. And baseball is a game of adjustments. Now, now once a team, they face a team, they're going to look at him and they're going to look at film and they're going to look at what he does. Now it's up to Suzuki and the hitting coach and, it, of course, his translator to sit down and see what can they adjust because the pitchers are going to adjust to him. And now he's got to make the adjustments. If he's able to make those adjustments, I think the Cubs are going to be very excited because they've added a good piece to this young core that they have potentially coming up. And that's something for, for us as Cubs fans to get excited for for the future. And that's what I'm looking forward to in, in the season, the season as we continue. Can he make the adjustments once the pitchers adjust to him? And I want to see what the weather shows up the next week because next week is starting. All the 80s, 70s, 80s, 70s, 70s, 70s. Yep, the wind blowing out. Exactly. That's what I want to start seeing how Suzuki does. And hopefully we see one of these rookies come up already. Like after June or whatever. Mr. Either Brendan Davis or or even a pitcher. Who knows? But this week's is a Crosstown Classic. As yesterday was Tuesday and the White Sox beat the Cubs 3-1. to one. Uh, pretty much it was a bullpen game for the Cubs and it looked like as well for the Sox because Colpeck was pitching I believe but then did not go the innings and the winning pitcher was Lopez and the losing pitcher was Efros so and McGuire each had an RBI and Horner had that long RBI double for the Cubs but Corner looks like he's heating up as well for the Cubs, and that's a good sign. And currently, at the moment, the White Sox are beating the Cubs. Today's games and series finale, four to three. So, us as Cubs fans, hopefully, the Cubs steal this one and come back and win this game. So, what are your thoughts on Mr. Horner heating up for the Cubs? A good sign, right? Yeah, I mean, I have always liked Nico Horner. And that's that's what my annoyance was. What, what okay? What do you think of Nick Madrigal, Mister Nikki Three Strikes? That's what I call him now. Everybody called him Nikki Two Strikes. He's Nikki Three Strikes. He's, I feel like Nick Madrigal is still trying to find his footing. There's games that there's a couple of games that we know he goes back to back where he gets two for fives, two for fours, but then there's games that he just goes off for fives, off for fours. But he's been he's been playing solid defense. But I feel like he, he needs more time, a little bit more work. But I feel like he should be a good, a good, a good hitter, man. Yeah, I'm not as high on him as you are. I think he's overrated, and I'm annoyed that the Cubs traded no, him because no, no, we no, no, had no. a second baseman. His name is Nico Horner. Yeah, but it looks like Nico Horner is going to be the shortstop. Dude. Well, I think once everybody comes up, I think Nico Horner's in would be Ben Zobrist. Well, yeah, but right right now, Nico Horner, man, he is better than Madrigal. But regardless, Madrigal is a good, solid second baseman. He's been playing a solid um, defense. His hits are not there, but eventually, I feel like he, he should be putting more of the ball out on play, and that's, that's what it counts. I'm not saying that he's going to be one of the greatest hitters. No, no, no. But he would be a solid second baseman. Horner should be a better hitter than than Madrigal. That's why he wanted to be here. But yes, but I still want to give Madrigal a chance. See what he can bring. Because regardless, the moment you put a ball, a ball in play, that's what it matters. Because you know, Madrigal is is I see more Madrigal as the Ben Sobris of putting the ball in play than what I see Horner. Horner I see more like a Ryan Sandberg where he's just hitting. He's just pretty much hitting a 300s or whatever. Madrigal, unfortunately, the difference between Madrigal and, and Ben Sobers is that Ben Sobers played anywhere. Madrigal only plays second base. And that's where Horner comes in because Horner could play, I feel like Horner could play anywhere too as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, defensively, well, that's the thing. It's kind of like the debate with Yasmani Grandal and Wilson Contreras. Yes. And 
back when uh, Nick Madrigal was a White Sox, everybody was saying, well, Nick Madrigal is really good. I'm like, he ain't better than Nico Horner. And everybody was like, no, well, Nicky two, Nicky two strikes. I'm like, no, just because he can hit. Uh-huh. I'm, when I look at a player, I look at how a well-rounded player he is. There is. And that's kind of the same difference between Wilson Contreras and Jasmine Grandal. Grandal can hit. But as a well-rounded player, to me, I take Wilson Contreras over Yasmani Grandal because you're looking for a well-rounded player. Yes. Defensively, Contreras... Grandal can't shine Contreras' boots defensively. No. That's why we have Maguire playing every other day for the White Sox. No, Magico is not better than Horner right now. Yeah, Horner is yeah, a better player. Better, better player. Magico, what Magico does, he knows how to put the ball in play and, and gives you something. Yeah. But that's, no matter but that's what. The thing. And I'm not saying that he's going to be stuck playing the second baseman because you may never know. The probably comes to use him as a bench bat and he gets up and boom. It becomes what Ben Soros became, you know, the bench bat for the Royal. True. Yeah, but that's what I mean. If Horner, if, if Madrigal isn't hitting then he's really not adding anything because he's not good defensively. Around the bases, base running, I don't think he's good. That's what I mean. If Horner isn't if Horner isn't playing or hitting, Horner adds value defensively. He he's better on the bases. Like that's that's what I mean. And right now, Nikki three strikes isn't hitting right now. And that's no, yeah. and that's the problem when you when you have one thing if you're only known for one thing and you're not well rounded and that one thing isn't working your value gets a little low. Yeah. yeah, but but right now we gotta do with Madrigal and at least hey, they got a second baseman and we may never know. Maybe they'll warm me up and he starts hitting and we start seeing more more of Madrigal see what he does, but. So far, he does nothing, so, huh? Yeah, but we'll see. But I'm not concerned about Madrigal because my focus is on Mr. Spencer Hernandez, Brendan Davis, PC3, and Reginald Preciado. I want to see those yeah. uh, those players come up and see how they do. And the under-the-radar, James Triantos. Oh, yeah, James Triantos, too, as well. And who knows? Maybe... The Cubs signed Carlos Correa out of the contract, and Corner moves back to second base. And now oh, yeah, but bench bat, bench bat that like I told you, that could work yeah. for him. But don't you think if Madrigal goes to second to the bench, do you think that tra- that that trade for Kimbrel was was a failure? That means like no team no, got out still, of anything. We're, we're still waiting for Cody Hewitt to come back and Mr. Bailey Bailey Horn. So you're just hoping at least Cody Hewitt comes back and be that dominant pitcher that he was before he got injured and had the Tommy John surgery. So moving on to the series for Fridays through Sunday, the Dodgers are coming in to face the Cubs and the White Sox are going to Boston and face the Red Sox. So moving on to our Chicago Bears Let's start with this What were your thoughts of the Bears releasing Mr. Quarterback Nick Foles? Uh, Well, it's another swing and a miss for Ryan Pace Good thing he's fired Yep, he wasted a lot of money for that freaking trade Yeah, he wasted a lot He wasted draft capital Um Nick, Nick Foles was appreciative over the fact that the Bears released him and he could find another backup quarterback job. But yeah, it's another. It, it was another wasted thing. I think the Bears gave up either a fourth or a fifth round pick plus all of the money that the Jaguars had to pay Nick Foles after they signed him, signed him away from the Philadelphia Eagles. But it it was another wasted pick, and also. I think the one highlight that we have 
that reminded us of the Nick Foles tenure was the fact was the fact in that Monday night game against Denver, Nick Foles pretty much was arguing with Matt Nagy because Matt Nagy didn't want to run the offense that Nick Foles wanted. That and uh, Monday night game against the Tampa Bay fucking years when once again he beat Tom Brady. And the game where he made him think that it was a fourth a fourth down, but it was he already played the fourth down game. Yeah, man, yeah. Tom Brady's a red ass against against the Nick Foles. He thinks that damn this this dude beat me. Yep. They <laughs> think it stings him more than Eli Manning beating him. Eli Manning, I think, is in the going to the Hall of Fame. Nick Foles is not. Yep. Yep. But. No more Nick Foles in Chicago Bears as he's out. And we got to move on. So let's move on to the Bears draft picks. The first draft pick, number 39 of the Bears pick, was a cornerback, Mr. Kyle Gordon, off of Washington. And supposedly he has some freakish athletic abilities. Yep. Always the first, that pick. first round talent. The, uh, the Bears have a hole in the number two corner uh, position. I think last year they tried to go with, you know, they signed uh, Marcus Trufant and then they released him and they really tried to go with uh, I think Tolliver as their second. They had a hole in the the QB2 position after they released after they released Kyle Fuller. So now they needed to go with uh, Gordon. Gordon has first round talent. A lot of mock drives. He was supposed to go in the first round. He fell. It was obviously a big need for the Bears. And I was very happy when they made the pick. If it wasn't going to be a wide receiver or a tackle, then that's the way to go. I'm happy with the pick and I'm very excited to see what he can do. And you got two good young corners going into yep. the season. So the second pick, number 48 round, I mean, number second round, number 48, they picked safety Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. And his, and his detail is he covers a lot of ground. What was your thought on that second pick? Well, a lot of people are very high on the pick. Um, He's a ball hawking safety and he, yeah, he can play all around the field. I seen his tape at Penn State. He stands out. He's a missile, and he yeah, he's very good in coverage. I guess my question was, I mean, they did have a they did have a hole at the safety spot with the Gibson not resigning, and my question was, why didn't they pick a wide receiver? Why didn't they pick a tackle? I think that was my only thing. But according to Ryan Poles in his press conference. They had these two guys rated high on their board, higher than any offensive position. And he stayed true to his board, true to his process, and he went with them. I think Risker is going to be a good player. I'm just, unfortunately to me, I think going into the season, you need to help out Justin Fields and you need to see what you have in Justin Fields. By You do that by adding talent on the offensive line and adding some weapons. So that's why Risker... Risky was like, I wasn't very, I was kind of puzzled with the pick, but if he turns out to be good, okay. Brisket was a kind of, I seen him in mock drafts as being like a lower level first round pick and early second round pick. So I think they get a good values with their first two picks in the second round. Yep. <clears throat> so let's go for round number three, pick 771. I picked a wide receiver, Mr. Velas Jones Jr. from Tennessee. And the details on him, he has top end speed. And when I texted you this, you said you had no clue what this guy was about. But did you saw any highlights for him to determine, well, to see what he did? Because I saw some highlights and he does have some top end speed and he looks like one of the moment that he grabs the ball. He just finds ways to keep going and get to a, a first and ten or even try to 
not get touched. So, yeah, so after I texted you that I know who he was, I went back and looked at some tape from him. So, I guess the goal with this pick for the Bears is that you have Darnell Mooney and you have Brian, Byron Pringle. They're not really known as burners, so they needed a guy who could take the top off the defense. This guy can, and this guy also is very good with yards after the catch, which is something what the Bears are going to try to do is try to get him in some space, utilize his ability in yards after the catch. I think he's also a, a returner. He returns kicks and punts. So we can add some value to you in special teams. So he's a start. He's a piece for for me. I just feel like they needed more. And I'm, and we'll, we'll break that down going forward. But I like the pick. He's a good pick. And he gives you something that you don't have, which is a guy that gives you stretches the field and gives you yards after they catch. I think he was top one or he was top five in the country this past season in college football in yards after he catch. Yep. So now moving on to the more lesser picks. Pick number 168. They got an offensive tackle, Mr. Braxton Jones from Southern Utah. His detail, he's a pass protector and a better run blocker. How do you see that pick? A good pick, decent pick? I mean, it's a good pick. He is going to be, he's going to be a develop, it's a developmental tackle. And if he develops to be somebody that's good, remember, Charles Leno started here a lot of seasons as your left tackle. Charles Leno was a seventh round pick. Now he's in with the Washington Commanders and he got a second contract. So we'll see what the development process is. Remember, Ryan Poles was an offensive lineman. And if he, I would trust him to make moves on offensive linemen and see what does he want in his offensive line. I'm still kind of concerned because, you know, going into going into the season, what you've been hearing you have Larry Borum as your left tackle and you got Tevin Jenkins as your right tackle. So you got two kind of inexperienced guys at your blind side. Nobody, there's a veteran hasn't signed. Um, so, but yeah, getting a, to me, getting a developmental offensive lineman is always good. So I'm not going to get mad at that pick. And hopefully they, can, they develop him and he develops into a starter somewhere along the offensive line. Yep, and the pick for numbers 174, they picked an edge, Dominic Robinson from Miami in Ohio. Well, he has a good size, he's a good size athlete, body flexibility, and has good hands, fighting attitude. So I don't know how he use him, what he thought about that pick. Yeah, well, Matt Eberflus runs a 4-3 defense. The mm-hmm. Bears were running a 3-4 defense under the previous regime, so... Basically, what they need is defensive ends, and this guy beats, beats the bill. They've lost a lot along their def, uh, defensive line with the yeah. loss with the loss of Khalil Mack, with the loss of Bilal Nichols, with the loss of Akeem Hicks. So you need more bodies to add into the rotation. Remember, they drafted Travis Gibson, and he's been developing nicely. And I see kind of this player kind of being the same way. He'll step into that development edge rusher role that Travis Gibson had, and if you can, if you, if he can, if he can develop somebody in the rotation in the season like Tonga did, remember Tonga was a seventh round pick in yeah. last year's draft and he developed into a rotational guy. If you can do that, that that's a success for the Bears. Yep, pick number one eighty six. They drafted an offensive tackle, Mr. Zach Thomas from San Diego State. He's quick out of his stance as a run or a pass block. So another offensive tackle, that's pretty pretty good. So they hopefully they develop him as well, right? Yeah, and also too, offensive tackles, good offensive line coaches and good teams that develop offensive linemen, they like to develop tackles and potentially turn them into guards. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe that's what the Bears want to do. But I'm always happy with the Bears that they're getting offensive linemen. I think they're, try- they're trying to create as much competition in that room. That's yes. what it seems to me by adding all these offensive linemen. So for me, if they aren't getting any wide receivers to help out Justin Fields, 
hey, if he doesn't take as much punishment and you add some investment in that offensive line, I'm happy. To me, you got to do one thing or the other. So if there's no wide receivers, if you get some offensive linemen and so far on the breakdown, we got two offensive linemen, I'm happy. The more competition in the room, the better. From there, they go to the 200 takes levels and they pick number two or three. They they drafted a running back, Tristan Ebner from Baylor. He has a good running, he has running routes or slots. Since they lost, since we pretty much cut Tariq Cohen, they are hopeful that this guy could have some good competition as a running back. Am I right? Or what you thought about that? Yeah, I guess they liked, I guess when they were breaking down film and this current coaching staff liked what Tyreek Hill, or Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Cohen, I wish we had Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Cohen did for this Bears offense. Unfortunately, he got injured. He never saw the field. So now, I guess they were looking for a, a receiving running back that they can implement in the offense, create some plays and create some packages, trying to use him as a weapon. And yeah. I feel like this kid can. Also, this kid can play special teams. And that's always, always helpful because you're when you're the lowest, old lower end picks, you're trying to get as much value as possible. And r- catching routes and catching punts and catching kicks is a way to stay on the football team. After pick number 207, they picked an offensive lineman, pretty much center, Doug Kramer from Illinois. This is pretty much just a, devel- a developmental pick as he doesn't look like he has the size to be a center, but they'll probably give him a shot. Yeah, well, so far that's three offensive linemen, and we'll see if Kramer is actually on the team because it looks like they have a crowded room on the offensive line. Exactly, and then another pick from two twenty, number two twenty six, another offensive lineman, but left tackle, Mister Jatir Carter from Southern. Suppose he has some good grip strength to strain and steer. So I don't know. That's another another option for the Bears to see. Just check out what what he has, and if he could stay with the team, then he probably will. And yeah, the, the Bears. Yeah, the Bears are drafting a lot of tackles, so that tells you that Ryan Poles wants to create competition along the offensive line yep. and try to and get the best line out there. The, exactly, and hopefully they put the right offensive line for Mr. Fields so he can start doing his thing and play his game that he wants. And the last pick for the Bears... Oh, no, there's two more picks. Uh, pick, pick number 254 was a safety, Mr. Elijah Hicks from California or he could play corner as well too so that's another option yeah he could be he could develop he could develop into a slot corner and also be that third safety and again he could play special teams as well yep and the last pick for the Bears was 255 which was a punter Mr. Trenton Gale from North Carolina State he has a good kick he's a pretty much a kickoff specialist he was an all ACC as a senior, and his average um, punt returns are 45.1. Four, so they needed a punter, as obviously the Packers stole on Mr. Who was a punter? I forgot his name. Uh, Pat O'Donnell. Pat O'Donnell, yep, there you go. So, what was, was your last... Well, my overall your... thoughts was I'm a little annoyed. I'm a little annoyed that the Bears did not get any wide and re- any more wide receivers. It looks like here the agenda for Ryan Poles was to fix the offensive line. Yep. So, and he brought in a lot of guys. He brought in a lot of tackles. He looks like he only brought one interior guy, but it looks like I guess Lucas Patrick might be the center, or because Mustafer might not be that guy anymore. But yeah, lots of tackles, um, but not enough wide receivers. I think we're very light on the wide receivers position. And now that Ryan, or Byron Pringle proved that he can't be trusted, 
it's it's going to be tough. At least, again, like I said, at least if he doesn't have nobody to throw the ball to, at least he's not getting killed back there. But I like the competition that's going to be along the offensive line. And hopefully, with the competition, Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins develop. And we got the best five guys out there. And Justin Fields can develop. Because that's what all this season is going to be. Because their roster, I don't think it's good enough to compete. It's the development of Justin Fields. If Justin Fields can play well with these crappy receivers, then you know you got something special. And now it'll be time for them to get a wide receiver with the early picks next season and get some wide receivers in free agency. Yeah, I have to agree with you. It was kind of disappointing. They only drafted one wide receiver. I was expecting at least two, two or three. Yeah, two or three. I mean, if he... And what he did was he did a good job of maneuvering back and acquiring more picks because the Bears didn't have that many picks. Yeah. So I'll give him credit for that. But then if he could have evened it out, I think how many tackles did he get? He got three or four. He got three or four, exactly. Three, and then he got an interior lineman. So that's what, four offensive linemen in the draft? Yep. So, so offensive lineman, and it's like, yeah, I feel like... They should have picked another wide receiver, at least one more wide receiver. Yeah, get two wide receivers. And honestly, instead of the center, get another wide receiver. So get two two wide receivers and three tackles. And I think it would have been a little bit better. Coming up with one wide receiver was not good. I'm guessing they're going to say that the running back, because he can catch the ball out of the backfield, is is one. But yeah, that's my only disappointment. Other than that, we'll see how these players... Get his first two picks. I really like them. Yep. I think they'll add some good impact and good long years to the defense. Yep, exactly. But we'll see how these players develop and and how the Bears look this season. But that will be it for our show. I appreciate all you guys listening here. Either on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts, as well as you guys can follow us on Twitter at Shy Sports Combo One. As I was actually tweeting out, giving out thoughts on um, players, and there's a couple of replies there. Thank you guys for replying on some of the some uh, some of the questions or your thoughts on the Bears' takes. Continue to follow us on Twitter. Please keep sharing our podcast with other viewers. Hope you like our content. If you guys want to uh, have us talk more about other other stuff like more hockey or whatever, I know the hockey they started their playoffs as well. Exciting! Exciting! Triple overtime between the Penguins and the Rangers yesterday. Yeah. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna start going over over that next week and next week's podcast. So so like that we have more contact with hockey and see who actually wins the, the Stanley Cup this year. But thank you guys for listening and all Mr. Martin has his wrestling shoe style wrestling podcast as well. He's gonna talk about it more right now. Well wanna thank everyone for listening to Shy Sports Convo again follow us on Twitter. And then listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you want to listen to wrestling, you can listen to the Shoot Style Wrestling Podcast. Also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And hopefully the Cubs pull out a victory today. Yep, as in the top of the eighth inning, they have the bases loaded. The White Sox, and again, with one now, they pulled the Cubs managed to get a double play and get out of that jam and currently in the bottom of the eighth inning Nick Magigal against his former team had a nice hit and he goes two for three and pretty much is a man on third and and first with Mr. Aaron Bummer pitching right yeah Mr. Aaron Bummer's pitching and on bay and batting for the Cubs is Mr. John Gomes so there's nobody else, so hopefully he could do a fly ball to tie his game and the, 
game is at four at four, but right now the Sox are up four to three. And it doesn't look for Mr. Aaron Bomber. He's not he doesn't have his pitches going on for right now. But we'll talk about this game next week's podcast. So thank you guys for listening. And have a good night. Good night. Go Cubs. Exactly. Go, Cubs, go. go.